Praise God. Why don't you go ahead and be seated? Just stay in this, in this mode, though. Don't greet your neighbor. Don't be friendly. <laughs> stay focused. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in here. Right here, right now, you are working. You are working, working in us. Thank you, Lord. We yield ourselves to the good pleasure of your will. Thank you, Lord, for showing yourself strong and mighty in the midst of us now. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, uh, whenever, whenever the Lord directs us to do something or he reveals something, to us on an individual basis, uh, acting on that or making that change or adjustment uh, brings improvement. It doesn't, uh, doesn't make things go worse. Did you say something about that in your opening? I don't remember what you said, but <laughs> I, as I'm saying it, it seems familiar. <laughs> but uh, he will lead us individually at times to make changes, but therefore our, our betterment. I mean, we should always know that theoretically. Uh, sometimes it's more difficult if that change is something we don't like or aren't comfortable with. We think, oh, this is, I can't give this up. I can't lose this because then I'll be without. And I don't think when we see the big picture Anytime you give something up for the Lord, you don't end up without. Amen. You end up fulfilled more than ever. And, uh, you know, when you read the scriptures about he who uh, gives up, you know, uh, what Jesus talked about, I can't quote it, but, you know, lands and houses and so forth, fathers, mothers, so forth, all the, when people give up these things that are precious to them, uh, you get a multiplied return. One place even said a hundredfold in this life and then in eternal life and that which is to come. And so giving up things at the direction of the Lord, at the leading of God, is a pretty smart way to go. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot better investment than, you know, buy low, sell high. <laughs> it's obey God, period. <laughs> and uh, and he'll, he'll add to us, increase us. But when you think about making adjustments or making changes, uh, you know, change in the, in the word of God is not always a change because there's something wrong. Sometimes it is. The word repent is a, is a change, a change of mind, change of thinking that leads to a change of action. So when someone repents, that usually has to do with something is wrong. You're doing the wrong thing. You're acting wrong. Repent. What does that mean? Turn from it right? Turn and go a different direction. And, and God will deal with us at times in love and because of his love to make those kind of changes, right? Even Christians, right? If you're not a believer, then of course, <laughs> repent, quick. If you're a believer uh, in doing wrong, that's still a good word for you, isn't it? Don't worry, I'm not going to call you out. You sinner. Uh, but uh, there are other types of changes. Sometimes it's, 
it comes through revelation. Meaning, I have a certain understanding or knowledge of something, all right, of God, of myself, of, of the, the kingdom of God, and I get more light. I get further revelation on something. Well, what does that necessitate? I must then change. And that's, uh, that's easy to say. That's super hard sometimes for people who have believed a certain way for a long time. Okay, maybe many years or maybe taught a certain way by people you, lo you love and respect. And then the Lord gives you light and in the revelation of truth, you see, I believed wrong about this or I was taught wrong about this. Now, how many know, again, that's easy to say, but it takes humility to do that, to make a change. All right. I mean, it really takes preachers that <laughs> when preachers are wrong about something and they've preached it and it's been recorded, <laughs> there's evidence of their doctrinal error. <laughs> uh, you know, that's why some don't change. They further light is presented, further light comes and they resist it. No, I'm just going to stay where, where, where it's safe. Why is it safe? Because people who they've taught people who looked up to more people in their circles will, uh, you know, they like them where they are. And if they break out of that, that's when, you know, it's uncomfortable. And they, and some may even say you're totally off the, what, off the reservation or whatever that saying is, uh, you know, you have left the will of God. It's like, uh, you know, one famous minister that some of us know who, uh, who was a Baptist preacher, and then he got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And then uh, he, he would say, uh, I, I received the left foot of fellowship from among the Baptists. <laughs> All right. But the left foot of fellowship is opposite of the right hand of fellowship. That's a scriptural statement that the right hand of fellowship is we accept you you know, we embrace you, you're part of us. The left foot means you get kicked out. <laughs> right hand, you're one of us, left foot, see ya. And then he said, so I went among the Pentecostals. I guess he got the right hand of fellowship there because they were also spirit-filled and, and embraced his new revelation, right? Uh, I don't know why I'm saying all this, but uh, just it's what I'm saying. And, uh, and I think it's the Lord. Uh, I, well, some of it I know for certain is the Lord, okay? And I'm filling in the gaps with what I think is best, all right? In other words, it's not a prophecy, but there may be some prophetic elements to what I'm, to what I'm teaching, all right? But the Lord wants to take people further. But sometimes we hinder our future growth because we want to hold on to our old ways. And if we don't cut ties... I mean, seriously, and say, I don't mean you have to cut people off, but some ties to wrongdoing, or, I mean, that could be sin, or it could just be the old way I used to think, the old way I think used to be best. And now I need to cut ties with that and say, oh, Lord, all right, now, now show me how to do this all over again. Have you ever heard of people, uh, I remember hearing a story of one guy years, 
number of years ago, he was a famous person, and, and he was, uh, he had been a, a you know, a, a recreational golfer for, for many years, and, and I guess his swing was just not that good, and, uh, and so he got lessons, he was telling the story, got lessons, and went basically, somehow they took him all the way down to zero. I don't know how you do that, because your mind remembers, you know, but he was rebuilding his golf swing from scratch to try to get rid of all the bad habits and, and, and so forth. And that's quite a task to do because of you know, muscle memory and all that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, anyway, sometimes you might find areas of your life. If you're a Christian, certainly you don't need to throw everything out. <laughs> but the Lord may bring revelation and light to you where there's certain parts of it. You say, um, I don't even know how to do this anymore. I don't even know what I've been doing. I remember uh, the story of uh, uh, Brother Hagen that he would tell us uh, at one point in his early years of ministry, he was pastoring, and, and he said that he would uh, pray the, the prayer from Ephesians chapter 1, uh, and he, he said, I would leave my Bible open to that, and he would pray it repeatedly. And he would just leave it open and then just continually. And I don't remember the details of how long. Maybe Pastor Mickey does. We've heard the same stories. Uh, but he would pray it repeatedly again and again and again over a period of time. And uh, at one point, he said he learned so much. The light came on. Revelation came. And he thought, what have I been preaching all these years? Because he saw so much more that, you know, it was like comparison to compare what he had been speaking on. It was almost like, what? What, what have I even been talking about? I didn't know anything. Now, obviously, he knew something or he couldn't open his mouth. He probably was preaching some good things, but comparatively speaking, it wasn't anything good. Could the Lord mess any of us up in some areas? I don't want to take the time, but you can read about uh, Apollos in the scripture, in the book of Acts. Uh, you can read about Peter. I think I taught these things some time ago, a few years ago, on a, I think even on a, in a believer's meeting, how Peter at one point thought the, you know, Peter, he's kind of a stud, <laughs> right? Peter, pillar. Yeah, at one point he, he thought salvation was only for the Jews. In other words, someone else comes that's not a Jew. I'm not talking to you. I don't want your kind around here. Get your filthy life away. This, the Lord is saving us people. Think how bad that sounds. So, what? You thought that? God doesn't want anything to do with most people? But you, you're the, you're the, yeah. Until, and the Lord still used him with that wrong belief. Used him powerfully. Didn't he? Does the Lord use us with wrong beliefs? Yeah. Don't throw it all out. But then he had that great vision in Acts chapter 10 with the animals in the, in the sheet. And the Lord said, you know, don't call common, what I've cleansed, what I've made holy, and so forth. And the Lord revealed to him that the Gentiles were also, Jesus also died for them, right? It wasn't just the Jewish people. 
but he died for them and they were to be brought in to the kingdom. Amen? And he told that story and the Lord confirmed it and people got filled, saved and filled. And, 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 and for most of us who don't have a Jewish background, aren't you glad? Yes. All right. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God Peter was not left in charge with his funky doctrine. But the Lord had mercy on him to show him more. I want the Lord to show me more. Amen. So, well, what do you want him to show? Well, I don't know what I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? But I know that God is infinite, so there, I should never put a lid on my, myself and, and say, I've got it all, I see it all, I know it all. No, I've been saved for, since I was a child, all right? And now I'm way over 30, all right? And uh, I have a lot to learn. I, I'm convinced that, convinced of that. Uh, if you're not convinced of that, get there. Amen. So why? So you're open. And if you, hear, if you ever hear things that, that challenge what you've always believed, pride will be quick to cut it off. Humility says, what? Wait a minute. What'd you say there? Now, if it, if it directly defies Scripture, I'm not saying embrace it. Don't be gullible. But... To be qu too quick to shut new ideas off is, is a good way to never, to never learn, to never increase, and therefore never walk in a greater, greater fullness of what God has for us. Amen. Do you have a Bible? Now, I, didn't, I don't plan on preaching, really, or I've already been talking for a little while. Uh, but go to um, 1 Kings... Chapter 19. First uh, Kings 19. And maybe some of you are familiar with the, the, the prophets Elijah and who's the other guy? Elisha. Has anyone ever confused the two? Is anyone ever going to have a a word with somebody in heaven? <laughs> Couldn't you have made their names totally different? <laughs> Been way easier. <laughs> anyway, uh, Elijah was first. He had the, 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 he was the leading prophet and had a tremendous ministry. And at one point he called Elisha, and I just want to read a couple verses if I can find them here. In uh, I'm in Second Kings. No wonder that does not look familiar. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Um, verse 19. Yeah, 1919. So he departed from there, Elisha, and Elijah. There I go. Elijah. And found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was uh, with the 12th. Then Elijah passed him, Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah 
and said, please let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? All right, now, now that, that almost sounds a little bit harsh there. I don't think it actually was. Does anybody have a New Living Translation up here in the front? Uh, I just thought someone would. <laughs> it, it says something to the effect of, of, think about what I just did to you. All right. Can anybody verify that for me? Is that what it says? Think about what I've done to you. So that, I think that's a little clearer than what have I, what have I to do with you? <laughs> think about what I've just done to you. So Elijah, the prophet, goes and throws his cloak on his coat over onto uh, Elisha. And that was a very important and significant event. All right. That was indicative of God is calling you to something. God is about to move you from what you are doing into something new, something for him. All right. And his first response is, let me go back and, and, and say goodbye. Uh, let me go kiss my, my father and mother and then I will follow you. And, and, and that's okay. But Elijah, it, it seems, didn't want him to minimize or forget about what just took place. He said, okay, that's fine. You think about what just happened to you here. In other words, this is a, this is a God moment for him. This is not just every day, hey, you need an extra coat. <laughs> this is a God calling, a God-ordained moment for him, and he's going back to, be, to say goodbye to his family I think sometimes people go back to family and they get talked out of what's next. And they get comfortable in their own life and I got my own oxen and, you know, the family. And sometimes family doesn't want you to do something because they're, they're, they have an emotional attachment and they're not going to let you obey God without a whole lot of pressure that you're, you know, you may be abandoning us or something like that. And so Elijah gave him this word. I think this was an important word. Think about what just happened. I think that's a good word for us to recognize times when God has moved in our lives. It may be a calling from God. It may be a unique moment like that. It may be a time where he said, it's time to separate from what you have been doing to what you're going to be doing. It may be a time where he's called us to leave certain people um, and it may be because of the negative influences they've had and how we're not making progress while we're with them. Uh, but he called, if we know something is a God moment, that's when it's important to really consider this is no small thing here. This is a very big deal. God has revealed to me. God has shown me. God has called me. God moved in my life. I think one of the greatest uh, failures we can make is when we lose memory of significant God events because they can serve as a, as a reminder. As, you know, in the Old Testament, they used to pile up rocks and, and make memorials. And they were, every time people would walk past them, they would see these things and it would remind, 
remind them that God moved there, that God spoke there, that he called them. And, and, and sometimes we need that. Whether we have a, you know, a memorial of some kind, but that's not the point. But the things that remind us of what God has said to us. What happens if when we forget, that's often when we get off track. And people even can get to a place where they say, I don't even know if God ever spoke to me. Well, it was so real to you five years ago. Why is it, why is it not real to you now? So he said, think about, what I've, think about what I just did to you. I don't do this to everybody. And, and you know, I don't know, maybe Elisha knew this because of his calling as a prophet. Maybe he had that, uh, that knowing or maybe it was just because Elijah was who he was. And when someone of Elijah's stature comes by and said, God's got a plan for you. God's got wants to use you. I want you to get up out of here and come on and go with me. That he took that serious like, oh, wow. He doesn't just do that for everybody. He didn't just do that all the time. And so I'm going to take this seriously. Anyway, Elisha did take this seriously. He didn't make an error. He, he went back and, well, the next verse. Verse 20, so Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate and he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. So it wasn't like he was being offered a, a high and lofty position. <laughs> come be with me, I'll make you an executive. <laughs> no, come with me and carry my stuff. I need someone to get my food ready and keep my clothes clean and, and, uh, and, and make reservations. And, uh, you know, I, I want someone to take care of some things. And that's what he was signing up for. So what did he go back to? Well, he was plowing with the oxen. So sometimes, I don't know, maybe you make sure you don't go back. You have to go back and kill your old thing. Get, get rid of the oxen. Then, that, then when you go back, then when you're leaving and it's hard one day or Elisha yell, Elijah yells at you or something, <laughs> you, you don't say, I'm, I'm, I'm going back. I don't have to put up with this. <laughs> I'm going back to my oxen. Uh, no, you killed them. <laughs> Remember, you gave everybody a grand meal. <laughs> You're, they, you ate your old job. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, drastic measures are needed. This is a change in my life. This is a change I'm making. Okay. Maybe it's just a major mental shift. Maybe it's a total career change. Maybe it's an answer to a call of God, but this is a, a, a changed moment. And I'm not going to give, how does it say it in the New Testament? Uh, um, I'm going to make no provision for the flesh. I, I'm not going to give myself a way out. Because often people take the way out. That's how some people get out of the will of God. Because they started on the right path of the will of God, but they gave themselves an easy go back. I'll give this a shot for a minute and then I'll go back. Hallelujah. I, I, I remember um, uh, 
Well, Pastor Bill has a story with his life. Uh, uh, maybe, maybe you've heard him tell it when the call of God got so big in him, he quit his job in the police, police work. And, uh, and, and, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that's a pretty serious change. You know, when you're working, you have an income, you've been, you know what you're doing, and to just quit. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. Why? Call of God. And it's not like someone saying, I mean, I tell you, I wasn't. They're saying, Bill, if you quit your job, I'll hire you. That happened later. And so, but it's similar. He burned his oxen. <laughs> By the way, uh, when I say that, and that, that's how that played out with him, and it worked well, and he's in the will of God and, and in ministry, uh, don't do that stuff on a whim. I've seen people make mistakes there, too. Well, I just, I just got to take a step of faith. I just got to get out there and take a step of faith. So what'd you do? I quit my job. You got extra money? No, but I'm trusting God. Did he tell you to do that? Or, you know, so I'd really wait till you have a knowing. You re I mean, you're really certain. You don't make those kind of decisions because the Lord doesn't lead everybody that way. He doesn't tell everyone that he wants to use that you have to quit your job in order to step into something new. It could be at the right time you can step into something new and then quit the job. Does that make sense? All right. So I'll, don't take someone else's history and make that the pattern. Uh, do what the Lord leads you to do and that'll be right. Amen. Praise God. But at the same time, steps of faith are needed at times. Um, you know, I remember when we, when we, when we came to, to Boise, um, the first thing I did is I had, I had a little, you know, we had a little bit of money, not a lot, but enough for the down payment on the house. So we came to Boise and the first thing we did is buy a house with no job. That was, I mean, say, well, what's the big deal about that? Because they didn't have money for a house payment. <laughs> but I believed it was, I was so convinced it was right that we were doing the right thing and we were going the right direction that a part of me thought, if I don't spend this money on the house, we're going to spend it on something else. You know, like to live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, and I don't want to go there and not have a house. So we did that. And the Lord provided. The Lord made a way. <laughs> I would ask, people would ask me uh, before we left, well, for months before we left, uh, when we were in Twin Falls, and they would say, I'd say, we're going to Boise to start a church. And they'd say, uh, how do you do that? I said, well, I don't know. <laughs> ask me in a couple of years, I'll tell you what we did. <laughs> now, I don't really recommend that either, but... That's just my story. And uh, I don't mean I didn't know anything about ministry. I just had never started a church and really didn't have training how to start a church either. Uh, nevertheless, the things we had, the things we did right were, I guess, were enough <laughs> to override the things we didn't know. Uh, but people would ask me, are you going to get a job? You know, because you're going to start a church. 
ideally you have people already that like you and want you and they are in your church, like they start it with you. But when you don't have that, you also don't have tithes and offerings and that. Okay. Uh, People ask me, are you going to get a job? I said, no. Why not? Well, it's not in my heart to do so, is what I would tell them. That was 100% truth. It's just really not in my heart to do that. Well, how are you going to, you know, of course, you do the math. Well, how are you going to live? I don't know. I'm going to go do what the Lord is calling me to do. So I guess that's on him. But I'm saying in that situation, I knew some people, they go in ministry and they, they start churches and other types of ministries and so forth, and they do get jobs. They do get, you know, secular work, as we call it, and, uh, you know, tent making, as, as Paul did for seasons in his ministry. And, and, and I'm not saying they're wrong at all. I know some are wrong, but now they're not all wrong. Uh, one minister a number of years ago called me, and he said uh, he was full-time, full-time pastor, but his church was right, right on the edge of being able to full-time support him because it wasn't really large, but it wasn't, you know, it was, it was stable. But it was just right on the edge there. And he said, the money has been a little bit less than, than, what we, than what I need, you know, to run the church and to support him. And so he said, I've been looking at this um, about getting a job um, just to take that financial pressure off. And he was totally willing to do that. And he, asked, he was asking me what I thought. And I gave him my thoughts as we're talking on the phone. We got off the phone and I started to pray. And I just started praying, praying in the Spirit. As I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm getting inspired. And so I, I, I get on my computer and I send him an email. And I, and I sent him an email and, uh, and then he called me. Or yeah, he talked to me later and he said, that was, that was from the Lord, wasn't it? <laughs> I said, yes, it was. And, uh, and my email basically told, this, this short version of, I said, I said, told him, tell the church where you are. And I believe this was from the Lord. I wouldn't just give this advice. It was, and I'm not telling him what to do. He's the pastor, not me. I'm just proposing. But I think it was inspired of the Lord. I said, tell them where you are and what you're going to do. And then, and I gave him a couple suggestions of what to say and how to, how to present that. And he did. He knew it was God. He did. And he never had to go that route of getting a second job. I think it would have hurt the ministry. Well, I know it would have hurt the ministry. It's very difficult to do both. And it would have slowed. Things probably would have decreased rather than increased. And then doing it the Lord's way, the money came up. And then he was, you know, fully salaried and everything and did full-time ministry. Hallelujah. I didn't plan on saying any of this, so uh, hopefully this is relative to those who are not called to full-time ministry and those who are. Amen. But there's times when things need to be left, think you step into something new, and you make, dis- make, make decisions, real quality decisions that you can't go, you're not going to go back on. Amen. And so Elijah did that. You know, Eli- Elisha, if you know this story, the end, end of this was he got, the, he got the double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah. Say, so how do I get more? <laughs> how do I get double? How do I have 
increase of God using me and working in my life. Well, this is a good pattern. It starts by when you commit to something, you really commit to it. When you go a certain way and follow the Lord, follow the Lord's leading, you go all in. Amen. And doing that sets you on the right path. Later, when Elisha asked Elijah, uh, Eli, anyway, <laughs> when those guys were talking, uh, he said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I, I'd like a double portion of the spirit that's on you. And he said, well, that, he, anyway, the final the summation of that was, he said, if you see me when I, when I go, you'll have it. And then Elijah started trying to ditch him. And you know, he had to have been just testing him. But it's like, I'm not going to make this easy on you because you have to, you really have to be committed to this or you're not getting it. That's very interesting to me. And he would say, go over here. I'm going to take care of something. He'd say, nope, not leaving you. He said, I'm going over here. Why don't you go over here and take care? No, I'm not leaving you. And he just kept declining to leave. Man, there's a message in that, isn't there? I remember when I, when I, before, I had no ministry experience. I think I was probably in Bible school, and my grandparents, when they were alive, they were having an anniversary. Well, this was before Amy. I was looking at her for help. Uh, um, I don't know, maybe it was like their 50th wedding anniversary or something like that, some big one. And, uh, and because I was the up-and-coming preacher in the family and the only one, uh, they asked me to speak. And this is, be, this is pre-preacher. <laughs> I didn't have to preach yet. Uh, but I was, you know, doing it. And I thought, what am I going to say? And I was just nervous. And it was just, you know, way smaller than this and family. And, and, uh, and, and that's what I preached. I was talking about my grandparents. And I, kept, I, I was reading the scriptures, not these that we read, but later. And it kept saying, and he would not leave him. And he would not leave him. And he would not leave him. And I said, look at you guys, you know. You would not leave each other. You know, I was talking about their marriage and, and having no, people who stay married for their whole life, they had some, I will not leave you in their, in their heart, right? And they said it at the altar, right? And then they meant it for all their days. And that takes a real, a real strong commitment, yeah? That, that type of commitment is not only valuable in marriage, it is absolutely essential for the will of God. And you can make the commitment to the will of God even before you know what it is. You mean you principally commit to it. I commit to do the will of God and I will not leave. I will not do my own plan. I will not live my own life. I will do the will of God all my life, period. No matter how many people get, you know, come against me, no matter how it's difficult at times, no matter what someone says about me, I will do the will of God. I will do the will of God. I will do the will of God. I will not be deterred by the lure of this world. I will not be distracted by... Uh, you know, opportunities for monetary gain that take me away from the will of God. I, I, I will not be pressured by people on the, on, the, on the other side or what seems like moments of dry spells or lack of opportunity. I will not be deterred by anything. I will do the will of God. I will do the will of God. All of my days, for the rest of my days, I will do the will of God. Amen. See, that's risky to say that if you don't know what it is. But again, think about who we're serving. He's a God who loves us. He doesn't hate you. <laughs> well,
What if he sends me to Siberia? <laughs> You're going to love it. <laughs> the odds are pretty low, but you know, if he sends you to Siberia and, and, and you stay in Meridian, Meridian's going to be the most miserable place on the planet. Huh? Because we think about natural surroundings, but you know how many know people are, there are suicidal people in Hawaii? Oh yeah, or, the, or whatever you think is the nicest place on earth and most beautiful surroundings. And, and there are people with lots of money that hate their lives, that are miserable every day. And they are wealthy. Yeah. So that's not the key either. I mean, I'd rather be happy with money than happy without money, but you know. I'd rather be happy in Hawaii than happy in the Siberia. <laughs> But I'm just saying the, the most important thing is we commit to the will of God Amen. And, ser and serious commitments. Yes. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. We're going to do communion tonight. Some, somewhere along the line. <laughs> uh, maybe right now. Uh, uh, you, you think about what the Lord did. Um, because, you know, communion represents uh, so, so, many, uh, so, so many, obviously represents the Lord's redemptive work for us. But in a, in a you know, example way, Jesus was all in to the will of God. Him shedding his blood says, yeah, I'm doing it. That's more serious than quitting a job, <laughs> killing the oxen saying goodbye to your parents, Jesus gave his life. But it's, the, it's that model of commitment that shows us how to do this. Yeah? And, and not only um, is it true that when we receive the communion elements that we are partaking of, of and entering into the very thing that breaks off every curse, breaks off every demonic force, and that's real important for tonight. Breaks off every demonic force. It breaks everything. But it's also when we are attaching ourselves to that eternal work, it can be a moment of consecration. I'm committing to the will of God. I'm committing to, being, uh, to living like a redeemed one. Remember salvation came from saying Jesus is Lord. Lord that means you're the boss of me. Yeah, and it's a commitment to the will of God. I'm going to do your will. Now, now someone said, oh, I have trouble, str trouble or struggle uh, doing God's will. Well, you're, you get God's help to do his will. I wasn't going to answer the call of God to pastor or, or to have a church um, without God. No, no way. I mean, if, not that that, not that that was ever in his plan, but like, I'm not going to do this without you because that's a recipe for disaster. Yes. But anytime you commit to the will of God, you're also committing to the grace of God that enables you to do his will. Yes. Not, I'm going to do it in my own strength. No, I'm going to do it by your grace. Amen.